This sounds like Chicago politics to me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel right at home. It's time for Arrested DevOps, the podcast that helps you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. I'm your co-host, Matt Stratton, at Matt Stratton on Twitter. Arrested DevOps is brought to you by 10th Magnitude, a company that figures if you're listening to this podcast, you must be pretty cool. 10th Magnitude empowers businesses to better collaborate across teams and achieve IT transformation using cloud. They enable customers to innovate, automate, and accelerate by leveraging the power of Microsoft Azure. You can find out more at ArrestedDevOps.com slash 10th Magnitude. This episode is also brought to you by Datadog, a monitoring tool that helps bridge the gap between operations and dev teams. Datadog brings together system metrics, changes, alerts, and events from over 70 common infrastructure tools, such as Chef, Docker, and AWS, so that dev and ops teams share their key data and alerts in a single place and collaborate on issues in real time. Datadog is available for a 14-day free trial at arresteddevops.com datadog. So what's this OpenStack thing all about? Joining me is JJ Asgar to help school me and you about what's going on in the OpenStack world. JJ, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background with OpenStack? Yeah, hi. My name is JJ Asgar, and I'm the OpenStack chef guy. I represent um, OpenStack in the chef community, and in the OpenStack community, I represent, I represent chef. I'm kind of like the bridge between. Uh, I own the whole vert, including all the interaction or all the um, integrations uh, with the knife plugin, the uh, test kitchen plugin, and the chef provisioning fog. And I'm slowly but surely getting uh, taking over the uh, fog integrations too on fog.io, which has been significantly more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I've been working with the guys. How long have you been working with OpenStack? Uh, so I got uh, I got involved back in the Diablo days. Uh, so that was the fourth release. So basically four years, and OpenStack's about five years old. So it seems like you'd be a good person to tell the audience a little bit about maybe, without going too much into it, kind of maybe the history of OpenStack, What, why OpenStack exists, why do we care? <laughs> That's actually a great question. A 50,000-foot 50, 50, view of OpenStack is, in short, a private cloud that you want to build. You can do anything ranging from database as a service to compute, to imaging, to object storage, to even cont- uh, running containers uh, and build uh, 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 Kubernetes clusters inside of it. It's a fast moving project that aims to build the cloud that you want. And so, so that seems like that's giving you a uh a kind of very general, like, hey, good, I can build my own private cloud just like the big boys do within my own data center. What are some of the advantages of doing something like that versus using something that's maybe more pre-canned, like something from VMware or just saying the hell with it and I'll just put it in EC2? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, the there's a challenge there where... First of all, if you care about owning your data in your data center, uh, OpenStack is an open source free way of uh, creating uh, your own cloud, 
instead of having to pay a VMware tax. So there's a certain problem at scale when you start talking about ESX and tens of thousands of machines. So uh, VMware gets prohibitively expensive around the 10,000 uh, uh, 10, hypervisor mark where that's where OpenStack learns to shine. Because you would rather probably invest your time in hiring someone or hiring a body who can give more than just a, uh, a software license cost and support contract uh, to VMware, where you can actually have a body and someone who can, you can train and gain something and spend that time and effort in, a, in an engineer for OpenStack instead. On the flip side, um, OpenStack is also extremely good in dev and QA environments, where if you want to, instead of spending the money on an EC2 instances, where running an EC2 instances for the whole year, let's just say for, for fun, top, takes costs uh, 1200 bucks, right? Well, there's certain size companies out there that they might have dev and QA and running a machine that does nothing for 1200 bucks a year, that could be that could actually stop you from gaining the, the, the growth that you're looking for. So OpenStack comes in there where you can take reclaimed hardware, build out a dev and QA environment that uses the exact same APIs that EC2 uses, and be able to do it locally and not have to spend that exorbitant amounts of money inside of EC2, which helps because, well, you're bringing everything in-house, and with reclaimed hardware, when it depreciates, um, you get to get even more life out of it, which is even better. So if I understand correctly, so OpenStack is kind of a consortium. Is that the right word? It's There's a whole bunch of organizations that have kind of chipped in resources and expertise to um, kind of create this, right? Uh, that was the way it originally started. Um, it originally started between uh, Rackspace and uh, NASA where uh, NASA created a, a front-end API to something called Nova, which allowed you to spin up VMs uh, using a Python API. And then also there was something called Swift, which was object storage, which is cloud files from uh, Rackspace. And it's grown over time. Different, different vendors have pushed in and everything. But uh, just recently, OpenStack got its 506C um, uh, status in the United States. So it's actually a non-profit um, business organization now. It's the same, uh, same uh, tax code that the NFL or the National Football League or even churches have. So when you work on OpenStack software and push back into the OpenStack community, you can actually go to your, 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 um, uh, your employer and say that you're doing charitable work because it is considered a charity. So really about being part of the church of OpenStack, basically, is what, what, what I'm hearing here. So <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> got it. Got it. Cool. So uh, what's the – so you said that it's, you know, recently they've gotten that uh, 503C? So, uh, 503, 503, 503, 506. 503, 6. Okay. So something well, they, like that. So, okay. So they've gotten that. So what, what else is kind of the state of the union with OpenStack today? Uh, so we are right now in our Metaka release. I have probably just uh, butchered that, um, which will be coming out uh, pretty soon here. Um, it, uh, OpenStack has cadences 
every six months where uh, we try to get the, the features out as quickly as possible. Um, this puts challenges down for operators, which I'll hopefully talk about here in a little bit, um, but it is a fast-moving project. Uh, there's about 19 different projects inside of OpenStack right now, and you can pick and choose from all those different 19 different products, or different projects, I'm sorry, to build out what you consider your uh, ideal cloud to be. So you don't necessarily have to use all the pieces, right? So like, what are, what are some of those projects? You don't have to name them all, but like, give me some examples of some, maybe some of the projects that maybe I might want to use, maybe I won't, or some of the ones that are obviously, you know, table stakes necessary. Sure. Um, so most of the projects are based off of, um, there's a handful of what they call the core projects. And those range from uh, one's called Keystone, which is the identity service. Uh, another one is called uh, Glance, which is the imaging service. Uh, I mentioned Nova earlier. Um, there's one called Neutron, which um, is up for debate uh, if it's uh, either uh, core or not. There are certain people who think it is, certain people who aren't. Every software project has their detractors and um, supporters, of course. Uh, there's also... There's quite, there's quite a few. Uh, and uh, just for the core ones, I mean, everyone needs to be able to authenticate with your, your cloud. You need to have uh, the right to get in. You need to be able to build a machine. And even the uh, more uh, fringe projects, I guess is a good way of putting it, um, would actually use Nova underneath them to do, to do the work. Got it. And what... Do you think so? If I'm if I'm thinking about wanting to use OpenStack in my organization, what's you know, and you've been working with it for a while. I, I hate to say like what's the the learning curve, but I guess what's what are some of the challenges you've seen people have with adopting that into their organization, or kind of the maybe the state of the union of of uh, talent out there, expertise, things like that. Sure. Um, so the. The biggest challenge of getting OpenStack into an organization isn't actually or, uh, OpenStack itself. Nine out of ten times, it's teaching a company to go to the cloud. Um, I actually had a personal experience in one of the companies I've worked at before working at Chef, uh, where the idea of a cloud, a cloudy system, where you, if a machine acts up, you put a bullet in its head and just rebuild it from scratch, didn't really work with that company. Even though they spent all this money and time and effort to build an OpenStack infrastructure, it was more challenging for them to understand that machines can be ephemeral. And that's actually the longer pole in the tent with this whole project, or with this project, is trying to tell people, okay, first of all, OpenStack is not free VMware. As much as people want it to be, it's not. People might sell it as free VMware. They might try to uh, do that type of stuff, but it's not. It's, you can't have someone who's spent all their time and effort using vSphere and vSphere, uh, all the different VMware tooling, and give them an OpenStack cloud and expect them to do the exact same thing. It's a, you, a good analogy is if you take someone who's spent their whole life working with Windows and all they know is Windows and then put them in front of a FreeBSD box, they'll get around. They'll be, uh, they'll be capable of doing their job. But it's going to be there's going to be a long term uh, 
a, a huge learning curve for them to understand that there's not a, a uh, uh, different things like that. Well, it's a, di a different way of thinking about things, right? You know, like we've said before, you know, Windows is an API-based operating system. You know, Nix is a, a file-based operating system. So again, if you're thinking about it, you know, VMware, you're used to doing things in a certain way. It's it's built for a certain thing. And I think that, you know, VMware has tooling and, and products that are intended towards doing the same things as OpenStack. But if you, like you said, if you're a traditional VMware admin, you would have the same problem, I guess, just saying, okay, I'm going to move to using EC2 or Azure, right? Like it's, it's so it's really more just the idea of utility computing, service or you know thinking about things as services not as instances and and all, all that that good stuff um and it actually translates into just another question which i imagine i think i know the answer to but fundamentally i mean obviously the the core of openstack i'm guessing runs on some type of variant of of a nix system the core hypervisors and the core systems themselves not windows but from a uh guest perspective like what's the microsoft footprint look like in in the openstack world actually it's surprisingly high um the the main hypervisors uh in openstack are mainly kvm and qmeu or they're the same thing now but you get the point um but there are hyper v um ports to it and also um i know of many successful the production boxes of Windows uh, 2012 R2. And there's actually one company called crowdbase.it that built their whole business off of getting specific Windows images for you for your OpenStack cloud. Uh, it's very cool. So, yeah, it's, it's, we're living in this really beautiful, heterogeneous world, uh, which, I, which I'm, I'm loving. Um, so I know you you'd made a you told me something about um, something called OS Ops. Can you tell me a little more about that? Sure. So there's a there's in the actual world of OpenStack there are uh, three main camps. There's the developers, there's the users, and there are also the operators. Um, if you actually look at the OpenStack. Um, marketing data or marketing images and all that. You'll so wait, just, just so I understand, you're talking about the users of OpenStack. Now, when you say developers, you don't necessarily, do you mean developers of OpenStack or general software developers that are interacting with OpenStack, like in their world? The, the, the answer is actually yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the problem. And that's, that's where all this stuff gets murky. Um, but yes, so there's three camps and the developer or the devs um, are normally are the people who uh, commit code to OpenStack to make OpenStack better, or to give a new feature, bug or bug features, or or whatever, or bug features, features or bugs. Um, then there's also users, or what I, I I prefer the term consumers of OpenStack, that just have an API endpoint that they spin up a kitchen instance, um, so they can run uh, their kitchen tests or run a, a Redis server because they have a little Rails app or whatever. But then also, um, there's a third group, which are the operators. And those are the guys who, or people, I should say, who actually run OpenStack clouds. And unfortunately, they have been underrepresented 
um, in the actual OpenStack community for a really long time. The foundation actually noticed this uh, a while ago and started giving uh, mid-cycle meetups that would happen um, usually in the U.S. Um, halfway through the cycle so operators could come together and talk about these things. Uh, the first one, or the second one was in San Antonio, um, which was about a year and a half ago. And the next one is actually in Manchester, UK. And unfortunately, I can't make it to that one, but uh, it's the first one that's actually out of the US. The reason why I'm bringing this up is uh, this is basically the only time that operators can come together that aren't uh, that, that aren't the summit, which is extremely hard to get to because it's usually in a, a very rather nice location. And also, operators have to pay their way to go to the summit. There's this thing called an ATC, which is, I believe, Active Technical Contributor, that if you, within the last 12 to 18 months, maybe it's, maybe it's less now, but it might be 18, you get a free ticket to the OpenStack Summit, where all you have to pay for is your lodging and your travel. The actual summit is free. So that's like a six, six, $700 ticket if you've given back to it. Now, unfortunately, operators can't get this ATC. Let's admit it. Um, operators, we write code. We write a Bash script, or we write a Python script, or we write a, a Ruby script that does something for us. And unfortunately, because it's not a Python script and doesn't go into one of the official projects, you cannot get ATC right now. That's where OSOPS comes in. OSOPS is our opportunity to come together as operators of OpenStack Clouds and have a place for you to actually just share that tool, that Bash script, that Python script, um, whatever, and give it back to the community and ideally, in the near future, get ATC. We're not quite there yet. I'm still trying to get more people involved, but the foundation is extremely happy with the way OSOPS has taken off and they are seriously considering letting us get to the point where we're not even part of what is called the big tent, um, actually part of the core projects because you need people to run these clouds and this project, or this, this OSOPS project, is the tooling to make these, make running those clouds easier. Very cool. So if I was thinking about getting started with OpenStack, how do I do that? It's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another great question. Um, as, as someone who's been spending a lot of time in the OpenStack community, you would imagine I would say something called DevStack. And I will tell you very, very, very quickly to run away from DevStack. Um, it has grown into a monstrosity, and it's called DevStack. DevStack is a development OpenStack instance. It will not teach you what you need to know. What you need to first, before even starting with OpenStack, you need to figure out first what you want to build. You can't just say, I want an OpenStack cloud. That you'll, you'll never get anywhere. You'll never get off the ground because there's just, you'll get um, a choice paralysis, paralysis, paralyzed, choice paralyzed um, very quickly because you have so many different options to go through. And there are some projects out there, uh, just like um, the OpenStack Chef project and uh, OpenStack Model T, um, there's also uh, some Puppet and even some Ansible builds 
uh, I don't know about salt. I think there's some salt ones that you can build small um, small clouds so you can learn on what you need, what you think is useful and what you want to build. Um, but it's just like any software project. You can't just go in there and say, I need a new application to do blah, and just be like, throw it against the wall and see what happens. No, there's a lot of engineering choices you need to make. And my advice to anyone starting with OpenStack is first figure out what you want to build and then move forward. What about um, <clears throat> there's there's some commercial implementations of, of OpenStack as well, right? Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, or just ways that, that, that people kind of get jump started with it. What are, what are some of those that you're aware of? Uh, yeah, so there's uh, Mirantis out there who's made an extremely successful business on building OpenStack clouds. Uh, there's also what was called Blue Box, but now is IBM, um, who built, uh, built a business off of building OpenStack also. And those are great. Vendors, uh, uh, vendors make, uh, can build you an OpenStack cloud for which, what they think you would want which is useful, don't get me wrong. But the challenge is there is like you're offhanding or hand, handing off the responsibility of understanding the intricacies of the cloud to a third-party vendor. When you go down that path, there's no difference in going into uh, going to Morantis or, or um, Blue Box than asking uh, another MP, or, uh, MSP to come in and ask you to build a cloud for you. It's, I come from the camp that if you're going to build a cloud and want something that you have full control of, you should understand how the whole thing works. But maybe it's cost prohibitive to spend the time and engineering time on there. And yes, you can absolutely find a vendor to do that stuff. And there are multiple out there. Cool. And you talked also about, you know, with uh, the ability to kind of use some some stuff like, you know, Chef or Puppet or Ansible to kind of get your, your initial stuff kind of started. How does how does the OpenStack world work with kind of some of our other hot technologies that are out there, you know, for thinking about things like Docker or, you know, um, Cloud Foundry or, or things like that? I mean, uh, where, where are the, the Venn diagram lineups of, of this kind of stuff? So the, the short of it is because OpenStack is trying to gain as much popularity as quickly as possible, there are projects for all of those. <laughs> and um, there's actually there's uh, apps.openstack.org, which uh, there's a one-button push now for you to pull down uh, an image, a glance image, to your OpenStack cloud and be able to build out a Kubernetes cluster for you. Um, which is pretty slick if you have to admit that. Granted, you have to have some of the more newer technologies on your cloud, um, but a one-button push to get a Kubernetes cluster is pretty slick. There's uh, also um, Docker, uh, Docker support with a project called Magnum, which actually spins up using uh, Heat, um, which is one of the projects for orchestration, uh, multi uh, three or four or three CoreOS machines puts Fleet on them or makes them in a cluster with etcd and then turns around, changes your API endpoint to that CoreOS cluster and allows you to use uh, Docker like you would any other, um, any, other, uh, any other way you would use Docker at a production level for containers. So uh, there's a, a link that uh, I can give to 
the show notes of this, where it, you can actually see all the 19 different projects for OpenStack, where you can pick and choose what you're looking to do. Great. And <clears throat> so you talked about you know OpenStack as an organization, and I've heard this rumor that uh, you're running for something called the Board of Elections. So can you tell us what that, first of all, what is that board? And then maybe tell people how they can vote for you and, and why they should. That's funny. It's uh, Get on your bully pulpit. Yes, yes. Uh, for, sorry, my, my notes were wrong. It's actually board of directors. Um, my my copy paste did not work. Um, but yes, I'm actually running for the board of directors for OpenStack. Um, and uh, I, I'm my whole platform of me running for the board is that if you look at the people who've been on the board over the last couple of years, they've been removed from OpenStack day to day. The things that they've been trying to push for. Um, are great and are a great idea for if we were in what I would call um, the later phases of OpenStack. Uh, I use an an, uh, antidote here, or I can't say the word, a story here kind of explain (laughs) where I think the um, OpenStack uh, uh, story is right now. And there's in software development, there's the idea of pioneers, town planners, and city builders. And the idea is that in a pioneering phase, you can go do whatever you want. It's all just wilderness. It's the Wild West. You can go to Node, or you can change around your code to Rails the next day, or you can decide to do everything in Django. It, it does not matter. Um, then eventually you get into what is the, the, town, the town planning phase, where you're like, you know what? We need a bank, or we need you know, some roads, or we need a general store. Um, we need a place that we can kind of congregate and start getting a little bit more uh, structured to what we're going for. And then finally, there's the city planning phase, or city builder phase, where that's where you spend all the time to build the, the skyscrapers and, and the highways between cities and just, just grow everything through it. Now, if you read a lot of the CIO magazines out there, or you read a lot of the, the blog posts from even the foundation, uh, it makes OpenStack sound like it's in a city building phase. Like, just throw money at us. We're going to build everything you're expecting. Operators have a very different view of this. Um, and I am one of these people where if you actually try to build an OpenStack cloud, it's still quite challenging. Even though with as part of the OpenStack Chef project, I try to make it as chefy and delightful as possible, it's still extremely challenging. And I truly believe we are just getting out of the um, pioneering phase and just getting into the, the, the town, town planning phase. A good, a good uh, milestone, if you will, is actually apps.openstack.org. It is a marketplace, or if you will, a general store for our town. It's a place that we can go and all agree that, yes, this is a way to build a glance image for a Kubernetes cluster. Yes, this is a place that I can get a Windows twenty twelve R two image from cloud based IT and actually work on my cloud. This is extremely it's 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 a milestone. It's good, but we're not we're not we're not at the point where we're we need we need skyscrapers. Yes, I admit it. We need the vendors to give us money to continue moving forward, but we need to be more realistic. There are times when features get pushed into OpenStack so quickly that operate, you can tell that people just pushed 
pushed to get them in the next release when people or operators haven't even adopted these ideas. I mean, we're still arguing over how to do networking on just a layer layer two and layer three networking inside our clouds when we're talking, when we have certain, customers, certain vendors out there giving us money to build edge routers inside of the SDNs. Now, if we can't even figure out how to get our, our VMs to talk to one another in a consistent way, like with either OVS or Linux Bridge or whatever, why are we talking about edge routing on SDNs? I mean, that's, that's a massive disconnect. It's great that we have the money coming in, but shouldn't we be spending more time on how to get something consistent and, 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 and supported and we all understand how it works instead of, you know, all the bells and whistles out there? So that's kind of my, my, whole, my, my whole spiel about the board of directors is that I want to go, I want to be elected to the board so I can ask these questions and I can just ask why we've decided all, spending all this time and effort and, and, and resources on doing these things when we have people's careers, including myself. My career has been based around OpenStack. My career is based on this and when I start seeing how the sausage is made, I wonder why are we doing the things we're doing, and I want to. I want. I want us to. I want us to tell the people, everybody, why this is happening. That sounds legit to me. So uh, I probably don't get a vote, but you would have mine if if I if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I really do. And um, there are you will if you have the uh, ability to vote between January 11th and 16th. You, uh, is the voting. And you'll get an email uh, with a link in there to allow you to vote for the, the, speed, the spots. And we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can vote for JJ if you have the uh, the ability to do that. Who has the ability to vote for this, by the way? So I've heard different stories about this. <laughs> and it seems to change from what I remember what it was. I mean, I, I, mean, I had the rights last year, but the year before I didn't. So... I don't really know. To be this honest. sounds like this sounds like Chicago politics to me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I feel right at home. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, OpenStack Model T. You sent me a link to that. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. So this is something I'm really proud of. And um, I first of all, I, I uh, if any of your listeners uh, read SysAdvent, I wrote a little uh, narrative about it. Uh, for the first day of SysAdvent this year. And OpenStack Model T is an opinionated build of OpenStack um, with one chef cookbook. So my whole plan is is I went through the uh, install guide for OpenStack. So if you've ever had a chance to read the install guide for OpenStack, you'll know that it's quite long and quite time-consuming. Well, I've automated it with Chef. I've made some uh, personal choices. For instance, uh, uh, or opinionated choices, I should say. Um, there is uh, RabbitMQ as the messaging queue. Um, the base OS is Ubuntu. Um, but that's more or less all of it. But the point being is that this is a way for you to be able to eventually, uh, I'm creating a reference architecture out of this, so you can build with that um, reclaimed hardware that I was mentioning for, for with the smaller customers or the smaller companies, 
you can run with one recipe and expand out your OpenStack cluster by running one recipe for a controller. Whenever you need to add a new compute node, you just run one recipe on that compute node, and it adds it to the uh, OpenStack cluster, and all of a sudden you have uh, a horizontally scalable uh, uh, cloud. It's um, eventually, uh, or I'm hoping for this time, or I'm hoping for ChefConf 2016 to have a talk there about building out one of these uh, reference architectures uh, with using uh, uh, one cookbook called Pixie Dust to bootstrap an OpenStack cloud with a bunch of hardware, and then actually on another machine use Test Kitchen to do testing on that OpenStack cloud all within the space of the 40 minutes that I have on bare metal. That's very cool. Yep. And I guess, uh, so speaking of, you know, what's what's going on just with the, uh, the if people are really good with Chef and they know some OpenStack or vice versa, how could they help help out with kind of telling this story? Sure. Um, so there's... There is the OpenStack Model T, but once again, that's my opinionated build of OpenStack. There's another actual project inside of OpenStack called the OpenStack Chef Project. Um, and it is, we have cookbooks for every major one of the, uh, all the major different projects to be able to build out your OpenStack cloud with Chef cookbooks. We are a very small but dedicated agile team and we desperately need more people to help us. Um, we're doing the best we can with the resources we have, but if you have any chef knowledge and have any interest in OpenStack, we would love for you to come, with, uh, come over to our side and help us build out these to make them great. We're in the middle of a refactor right now. We acknowledge that over the last two cycles, we've kind of added all the features and have... Um, everything including the kitchen sink in there. <laughs> and that's gotten to the point where it's, uh, we think it's actually scared some people off. So this is our, where we decided to pare everything down so it becomes a little bit more straightforward. We also have um, a chef repo, which is called the OpenStack chef repo. I think you can actually just Google that directly. And if you have like a 16 gig MacBook Pro, you can build out with chef provisioning and Vagrant a multi-node uh, OpenStack cluster on your laptop um, by just running a handful of commands. And then we have a, a, some documentation on taking those same commands and that same build and to build it to an all-in-one um, bare metal build. So you can actually build, if you have like a, for me, I had a 96 gig um, quad-core Xeon that got uh, donated to me. And I was able to take the those cookbooks, run the all-in-one build on there, and even using learning how to uh, using hosted chef, and build an OpenStack cloud, um, production ready, which is still running to this day, in about forty-five minutes. And that's that's something worth worth showing. Great. Well, this has been awesome. I've definitely learned a bunch. Is there anything you would want to kind of finally share with our listeners about? OpenStack, just if they're, or even for people who maybe have been using it for a while, maybe some things they aren't thinking about or, or different uh, ideas, just kind of parting words? The short of it is that um, 
oper- the operators and the guys who or the people who are running uh, your clouds, we uh, we're trying to come together and trying to get going. Uh, if you have a tool for OpenStack or OS Ops, um, we have a contribute uh, a tools contrib directory where if you just write a bash script, and when we finally get that um, ATC ability, all you got to do is just give it to us, and you'll get ATC. It's we've tried to create this to have the lowest barrier entry possible for operators. Awesome. Well, so uh, before we move into checkouts, a couple little bits of uh, administrivia. Uh, if you have an upcoming conference you would like to see promoted on Arrested DevOps, please visit arresteddevops.com/conf. That's C-O-N-F, like conference, and fill out the handy dandy form there, and we'll get back to you and figure something out. And speaking about our website at ArrestedDevOps.com, if we are all open source now, and it's pretty rad, so if you want to help out, we're accepting pull requests at GitHub.com slash ArrestedDevOps slash ADO-Hugo. So if you notice a rata in our show notes or anything like that, feel free to send us a PR. Or if you want to help out with anything else with the website, it's all built on a cool technology called Hugo. You can check it out at GoHugo.io. And uh, feel free to take a whack at any outstanding issues we have listed on our repo. But now uh, let's do some checkouts. So, JJ, what do you have for our listeners to check out? Uh, I got a a couple things here. The first one is uh, I'm very impressed with This War is Mine. It's a uh, Steam or iPad or iPhone game where you, it's, in essence, you play as survivors for um, a war-torn city. And you have to do resource management side of it. And it's a really interesting kind of take on what you would have to do in that environment. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I just found out recently, too, it turns out they're building, making a board game out of it. So, which is pretty neat, too. So, in theory, you could be sitting around your uh, kitchen table with your family. And you'd see who would uh, go off and steal the food first. Um, the second one I have is uh, Labyrinth Black Ale. It's uh, probably my favorite beer right now, and it's a quadruple from Labyrinth that is about 15%, and it comes only in Boomers, the 22 ounces, and it is so nice. And especially with how cold it is right now, it will keep you nice and warm. And my third one is, if you have the voting rights for OpenStack, please vote for me. (laughs) Absolutely. So I just have one. It's a game called Asphalt 8. Uh, It's available on iOS, I think also Android. I have been playing it because I just recently got myself a new Apple TV that supports apps. And so that was one of the games I downloaded. It's a racing game. It's pretty fun. It's definitely one of those where they try to, you know, get you with micropayments and all that stuff. But even if you don't want to spend money, it's still a pretty low barrier to entry racing game. I've been having a lot of fun with it and pretending to race a Tesla. That's pretty rad. So I recommend that. It's at gameloft.com slash asphalt8, the number eight. So, and don't forget that we have a newsletter. ArrestedDevOps.com slash banana stand is how you can sign up. It's the best way to know about our upcoming podcast episodes and cool links and stuff that I find about DevOps. And uh, thanks to our sponsors. Be sure to visit them at ArrestedDevOps.com slash 10th magnitude and ArrestedDevOps.com slash datadog. Thanks to JJ for joining me tonight. And listeners, 
If you enjoy Arrested DevOps, or if you don't, actually, one way or another, we would appreciate it if you'd visit ArrestedDevOps.com slash iTunes and leave us a review in the iTunes store. And we would love to know what you thought of this episode, so you can leave us comments at ArrestedDevOps.com slash OpenStack. You can also tweet at us at ArrestedDevOps, and we're happy to get your input, ideas, or feedback at shows at ArrestedDevOps.com if you dig that email thing. Please let us know any ideas you might have for future episodes. I'm Matt at Matt Stratton. We're Arrested DevOps. And remember, there's always DevOps in the banana stand.